Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas in personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Hi, everyone from the Mind Valley community. I'm with a guy that we've been trying to get on our podcast for a while right now, Joe DeSena, the founder of Spartan Race. Joe, how are you doing? Great. How are you doing? Joe, I don't think you have any idea just how impactful Spartan Race has been on our team here at Mind Valley this past month. This month, 27 of our team members ran the Spartan Race in Johor, Malaysia. This was the Spartan Sprint, which is the five-mile race, right? Yeah. 27 people, many of them three months before were clinically obese. They just hammered through training. They ran that Spartan race. Our team came in number two, super proud of it. And we're signing up for another race in January and another race in March. We will have around 40 people in our next Spartan race. Now that is almost 40% of our entire workforce right here. Love it. Love it. So we want to train as many people in our company. Our target is 50%. We have 300 employees globally. We want 50% of them to be Spartans. We're so committed to it. I have this statue of Leonidas, right, on my desk right now. I just had a knee injury and I'm like, fuck it. I'm training for the next Spartan race. I'm running with my team. Doctors told me I should give up running for good, but screw that. I'm taking part in your Spartan race. So Joe, thank you for being here. You've created something that's changing so many lives. You have taken it to the next level. I love it. Bleeding, you're going out there. I love it. So tell us about your workout. We have 40 people running the Spartan Race. The biggest question we're getting right now, when I sent out an email to people in my team, I put out a request for questions on my Instagram. The biggest question we're getting is, how do we get started? For someone who just has an average exercise routine, you know, maybe going to the gym once a week, how can we get started with Spartan Race? What would that training protocol look like? Because that's what's intimidating people. You could do a whole host of things. Obviously, if you wanted to, you can go train and just run every day. You could do Bikram yoga every day. I myself have 21 body weight exercises I do every day. Every single and day? Every single day. And they're focused on mobility and flexibility because my mother was a yoga teacher when I was a kid. People say to me, I can't do that. And I say, there's only one thing that's going to stop you. And that's an injury. Otherwise, if your mind wants you to get to the finish line, you're going to get to the finish line. So we just have to avoid injury, right? And you do that by staying flexible and mobile, really paying attention to your body. So I got these 21 exercises. I'm not going to be able to go through them here, but I could forward you a video if you want. I made a video recently because everybody's been driving me nuts. Show us the exercises. Obviously, a burpee is in there. Burpee is like my core exercise. You've got to go out and do some running, even if it's just a mile. you got to get a little running under your belt. The good news is when you go out and do these races, there are so many obstacles that you're not running for long, long distances. You're getting those breaks of hitting obstacles along the way. But I tell people that say, Joe, if I'm in really bad shape and I just want to start from zero, I say, look, go walk a mile a day. Walk as fast as you can. Do 30 burpees a day. Do 30 of the best pull-ups you can. Most people can't do a pull-up. If you did that at a minimum, you'd be okay. You get through this thing. Yeah, if you want to be on the podium, I'll give you a program, but you're going to be hurting every day. So we might come to that. Now, 21 bodyweight exercises. Where can we learn about that? Do you have a blog post up? Can we learn about it in your books? Just as a side note, for people who want to pursue Joe's work, Joe has written three books, Spartan Up, Spartan Fit, and The Spartan Way. Yeah, just in general, 
let me tell you where I got these exercises from. My mother taught yoga back in the 70s. In addition, I've traveled around the world and I meet all kinds of people, wrestling coaches, Kung Fu masters, Conor McGregor, for example, and I learn one exercise from them over these last, you know, call it 30, 40 years, combined with the burpee, and it just became my go-to move that I do every day. And obviously it's very focused on the core, very focused on mobility and flexibility, but I find that if I have a friend that says, hey, we're going to run 50 miles tomorrow, these exercises have me ready to go do a 50 mile run at any point in time, which is impressive. Right in the drop of a hat, right? Right in the drop of a hat. I made a video recently of those exercises and I will promise to get you that video. That sounds amazing. Now these 21 exercises, how long do they take? If I'm really in the mood and feeling frisky, I can get the exercises done in like 30 minutes. Invariably though, it's like more like 45, 50 minutes. I see, I see. So I wanna ask you a couple of questions about that. So one of the things is, I believe it was July 2013, the New York Times published an article on the power of minimum effective dose exercises. And they spoke about Tabata. And the essence of that article is that four to seven minutes of exercise can be as effective as an hour. Right now, I notice what you're doing is around 30 to 45 minutes. What are your views on minimum effective dose? Does that apply here for busy people who might want to still get fit and train for a Spartan race? I've done lots of different exercises. I've certainly done Tabitha. I've done stuff where I'll go out and I'll sprint 100 yards 10 times to the point where I got to puke at each one of those. That's the goal. And that has helped me. And I've seen fitness gains there. But the number one exercise I did for a period of time that gave me tremendous gains was I did 300 burpees every morning and 100 burpees every night after dinner. And I tested this for 60 days. I said nothing else, no other exercises, 300 every morning, 100 every night. And I came out of that on fire. How was, long did that take you? Well, I was doing those 330 minutes or less, and I was doing the 100, call it, in 10 minutes. Wow. Okay. Wow. That's nuts. And are you taking breaks in between? I wasn't taking any breaks. As soon as I woke up, I take my bathroom break and I hit the ground. And I just got through it almost like a pendulum. Boom, boom, boom. And I saw tremendous gains. But I don't think that would have gotten me through some of the long distance races I was doing. So it really depends on what you're training for. For example, if I was training for, let's say, a full 24-hour-a-day event, you couldn't do five to seven-minute exercises to get you ready for that. You need some big eight to 10-hour work sessions. You know, New York Times is obviously very credible. The science sounds cool, but I've practiced this in real life now for 40 years, and it really depends on what the battle looks like, right? That determines what kind of training you've got to do. Right. I see. I see. Now, what are your views on super slow strength training? The reason I ask this is because in the classic book, Body by Science by Doug McGuff, he says yeah. something that seems counter to what we are talking about. Firstly, he says that the ultimate form of exercise is super slow strength training. And he shares the research which shows, I believe it was from McMaster University, but I could be wrong. The research that shows that super slow strength training can create an endurance boost of 30%. So that's one. But the second thing he says is that running is not exercise. He says that running actually can improve your endurance, can get you fit, but the risk on long-term health due to joint injury outweighs the benefits that it gives you. And so he said running or jogging is not exercise. Curious to know your thoughts on those two. 
I guess I'm about 30 degrees to the right or left from him. I always believe that running too much is dangerous because it does create long-term wear and tear, but you've got to incorporate some running in your routine. I don't care what he says. Number two, I think long, slow, heavy weight exercise like you're describing, pushing weight, it's great as part of a routine. I don't think that alone is enough. If you put a gun to my head and you said, Joe, come on, we're looking for the magic bullet. Like I wanna be able to go out and conquer 100 miles. I don't have more than 60 days to get ready. What would you recommend? Would it be pushing weight for you know one rep at a time? Would it be running? And I would say, here's the magic bullet. And it's hard work, which is you got to deplete your glycogen storage. So you got to wake up in the morning without breakfast and you got to do something really hard. So seven, 10, 15, 20 minutes to the point where you're going to puke, wipe out the glycogen storage, then go do something long, slow, and heavy. But I'm not talking about one rep. I'm talking about throwing like a couple of kettlebells in your hands and going out for a two hour leisurely walk. That, to me, has built endurance more quickly than anything else I've done. It's not going to get you ready for a bodybuilding competition. It's not going to get you ready for some you know, max weight lift. But if you're saying to me, Joe, I got to go out and run 100 miles. I've only got 60 days to train. Wipe out your glycogen every morning and then go for something long, distance, and heavy. Amazing. I like that. So thank you for clearing up those misconceptions. I think there's truth in both sides, but I love how you bring it together. We actually, in Mind Valley, we tend to start our day a little bit later, around 10. And one of the reasons we start our day at 10, our morning huddle happens at 11.30. People don't have to clock in so that people have time for their morning workout. Because my theory is that the people who work for me, the 300 or so of them, will do better, will be more productive, will be more effective if they're taking care of their bodies. Because we know that when you have a healthy body, your cognitive functioning is going to be clearer. When you're getting more sleep, you perform better at work, you know? So the theory is that by getting people to train to be Spartans and take part in a Spartan race, when they come to work, their confidence is greater. Their self-love is at a higher level. Their cognition is performing through the roof. And therefore, we as a company gain as well. I agree. I agree 100% with that. I don't start at 10 a.m., but I like the thinking. If it were me, just you and I are different, I would say you have to get your morning workout in between 5 and 7, and we start at 7.30, just because I'm a nutcase. So let's talk about that. So the reason I don't encourage that is because I'm also a big believer in sleep. I believe that we should be getting seven hours or so, like whatever our body needs, of sleep. I mean, the studies show, right? If we cut down our sleep by as much as 90 minutes, that's a 30% reduction in cognition. So one of the reasons why we start at 10 is because I want people to get enough sleep. What are your views on sleep? Is that part of the Spartan training? I believe in sleep, but I would argue that you should just go to bed earlier. I was surprised when you wanted to do a podcast at 830 at night. (laughs) I want to go to bed early. You know what I mean? So if you go to bed at midnight, then you got to sleep according to you right till seven or eight. But I don't go to bed at midnight, go to bed at 8 p.m. True. It depends, right? It's all about your lifestyle. But I'm glad you said that because I think both of us agree sleep is important. You do not sacrifice your sleep. I'm planning on sleeping a lot when I'm dead also. (laughs) You know, Ben Greenfield, our mutual friend, just released an article on sleep, on how sleep actually produces healing properties in your body. So no matter what type of training you're doing, you got to make sure you're getting enough sleep. Agreed. Now, one more question. You believe in a plant-based diet. Tell us about that. So my mother was into this in the 70s. 
And then I happened to meet a guy named Dr. Bishi, B-I-S-C-I. You should have him on the podcast. I think he's 92. He's only eaten raw fruits and vegetables for 55 years. He has eaten nothing but a raw fruit and vegetable. And his argument to me is, Joe, you should not be eating to lift a lot of weight. He used to be a weightlifter. You should not be eating to have giant biceps. You should be eating to outlive your competition. He's saying, look, this is not the perfect diet for putting on mass, but it's the perfect diet for longevity. That's really fascinating. Now, speaking of that, have you ever done any form of telomere testing? I know Ben Greenfield, for example, is a big advocate of this, and he selectively reversed his biological age from 37 to 20. Have you done anything of that sort to see the impact Spartan racing does to one's biological age? I have a company called Inside Tracker that has done some testing. I'm actually okay. I probably could be better if I wasn't doing all these emails and running this business. I could be better, but it's not the racing that beats you up. I think it's the business. Like the business just is the killer, right? So are you the CEO of Spartan? I'm the CEO, I'm the founder, chief headache officer, and I surround myself with the workouts. I surround myself with the plant-based diet and I do my best to counteract the stress and destruction, mass destruction that a business causes to us. It's incredible that you're able to balance both. So, so much respect there. As a CEO, I try to make sure that I'm taking extreme care of my health as well. But I know it gets tough. Being able to exercise every day gets tough, right? When you have kids, when you have a business to run. And I'm saying that for the people who are watching. I think you'd be surprised at how that 30 minutes a day can give you so much of a boost in your performance that you crush it in the day and you get so much more done. Now, for people here who are listening and want to get started with Spartan, could you explain the four levels of Spartan race? Sprint, Super, Beast, and Ultra? So Sprint is three miles that'll change your life forever. Super is eight miles that'll really start to test you. The Beast is exactly what it sounds like. You're going to be out there for, could be seven, eight, nine hours. That's about 13 miles. The Ultra Beast is a marathon. But this is not like running the New York Marathon. This is a marathon filled with obstacles, with something that's really, really sneaky, which is... You're going to run past the finish line and have to go out again. In other words, it's a beast with two laps. So talking about testing your mind, can you imagine smelling the food, seeing your friends that are going to shower, hearing the music, and then having to go out and do another lap? How many miles is each lap? 13 and 0.1. Jesus, you're sadistic. I love it. Okay, so let's talk about the Spartan Sprint, right? So we had people from our team do the beast. We had five people train for a beast in 30 days, and they ran a beast in the middle of a typhoon in the Philippines. There was actually a travel advisory against going to the Philippines. They're like, screw it. They ran the beast in the Philippines. And what blew my mind is that there were 5,000 people taking part in that Spartan race in the middle of a freaking typhoon. And that's what got my attention. Spartan race wasn't just training people to get physically fit. It was training people to do things that most others would say is just absolutely insane to ignore that travel advisory. There were trees falling down, but they were like, screw that. We're going to complete the race. And all five people from my team completed that race. I love it. By the way, we see that around the world. It's not unique to Malaysia or the Philippines. Wanting to go out even when, you know, the weather is terrible. It changes your mindset once you sign up for this thing. 
Right. It changes your mindset. That was what impressed me most. It teaches you to push through the point of suffering where most people give up. Yeah, that's right. Now, if someone had 30 days to train for a Spartan sprint, someone who's moderately healthy had 30 days to train for the Spartan sprint. And I'm asking this because I have 40 people that's going to be running together. What would we do in those 30 days? Well, I would love to give you the 21 exercises, but without those 21 exercises, I would say bare minimum. If you could go do yoga, you could run a mile and burpees and pull-ups every day. One mile? How many burpees? How many pull-ups? Again, I'm giving you minimums. You add to it as you feel a little more aggressive, right? 30 burpees, 30 pull-ups, one mile run, and I want you to do yoga at least three times a week. 30 burpees, 30 pull-ups, one mile run every day for 30 days. And that should get yes. you in shape for the Spartan Spring. You're not going to win it, but I want you to do yoga three times a week. So let's talk about that. Why is yoga important? And I say that because I've always looked at yoga as, you know, a more meditative, fun, but not super serious form of exercise. I'll tell you why. One, yoga is more powerful than you think. Two, as I said earlier in the show, I have five million, six million people running through this, right? I have tremendous evidence behind what I say, injuries stop people, just injuries, right? Oh, Joe, I can't run 40 miles. Oh, really? God forbid we were in a car accident and we had to run 40 miles to safety. Are we going to do it? We're going to do it. The only thing that's going to stop us is injury. So I need you to stretch. I need you to stay mobile. need you to stay flexible. The mile a day, the burpees and the pull-ups will make sure that you don't embarrass yourself, but I got to keep you healthy. Great. So that answers the question. So yoga is about resistance to injuries. Injury. Here's what happens, right? Now somebody's listening to your show. I'm not going to do a mile. I'm going to run 10 miles. I'm going to do 300 burpees. What do they do? They go from the couch to this insane training and they get injured and they blow the whole thing. So there is a point where overexercise can cause injury. And what you really want to find is that sweet spot. You shouldn't exercise to the point where you're injuring yourself. Well, you could get to a point. I mean, when I was in my best shape and I was training insane amounts of volume, I'm less likely to get injured. I'm really in tune with my body. But most of the people we're talking about, they're really good with the remote control and the television set right now. And you can't go from that to crazy training. Perfect. Now, to go from the sprint to the Spartan Super. So the Spartan Super is 25 to 30 obstacles eight to 10 miles of rugged terrain, and is considered a middle distance race. So now we have people who are spending around 30 minutes a day. They are running a mile. So you can go to your gym, run a mile in a treadmill, do 30 pull-ups and 30 burpees, right? And yoga three times a week. Now from there, we want to get onto the Spartan Super. What do we do? How do we level up the training? Or do we just maintain that? I'm giving you very simplistic training. This is not advanced. We're not going to win this thing. But if you're gonna to go to the super, you could triple that. So you could run three miles a day. You could do 90 burpees. You could try to do 90 pull-ups, but you don't have to go every day with that because you'll get some overuse injury if you're coming from zero, but you could do that like five days a week. Still do your three days a week of yoga, do three miles, 90 burpees, 90 pull-ups, okay? Now let's go to the beast. Let's stick with your three days of yoga, whether it's the sprint, the super, or the beast, right? Let's do three days of just like we do with the super, the 90 burpees, the 90 pull-ups, and the three-mile run. But then let's take two days 
and try to run 10 miles on those two days, okay? And start to get ready for what's gonna be 13 miles of hell. Right, wow. So in addition to everything else, you're running 10 miles twice a week to get ready for that 13 miles of hell. Awesome. Let me just recap. When we were training for the sprint, we were going seven days a week, one mile, 30, 30. When we're training for the super, we took it down to five days a week. But you're doing 90. We tripled everything. And went to the beast. We stayed at five days a week. Three of the days are just like the super. Two of the days, we took them up to 10 mile runs. I see. And these are all 30 day protocols. These are 30 day protocols. There's a gun to your head. You got to get ready. This is amazing. This clears up so much for all of us. Now, there's something really bizarre about you because all brilliant people are weird as fuck, right? And the weirdest fuck thing about you. Not brilliant. Well, look, anybody who can get 5 million people to run an obstacle course is brilliant in some way. And your goal is 100 million. But the weirdest fuck thing about you is that you carry a 44 pound kettlebell wherever you go. Tell us about that. What's going on there? You know, I got this tracker and I was tracking my health. And what I noticed was even an active guy like me is inactive seven hours a day. So I said, how can I turn my inactiveness into activeness? And so, okay, I'll just carry around a kettlebell everywhere I go. So I sit down, I put it down, I stand up, I pick it up. I go into the other room, I'm in an airport, I'm traveling in a taxi. And so I just carry this thing around. And so in addition to my workouts, I'm getting this free workout of carrying around this kettlebell. 44 pounds, that's like what, 16 kilograms? 20. 20 kilograms, okay. That's freaking insane. Now, you've given me another idea over here. We've started adding pull-up bars to our office. We've started adding like gym machinery to our office so people in between meetings can go and work out or do pull-ups. Now I want to add kettlebells. I want to scatter kettlebells across our office so people can start lugging those little bastards around as they move. That's a great idea. Now, you've also given it a name. What do you call your kettlebell? Leo. Now, can I ask, you named it Leo, I'm guessing, because of Leonidas, right? The Spartan. That's right. Have you ever seen the movie 300? I have, of course. By the way, was that what inspired you to start the Spartan race? No, it's just the history of Sparta. Actually, after that, the movie 300 came out. So um, we had listed a bunch of names on a piece of paper years ago, and Spartan just jumped off the page. That's so cool. So check this out. This is Gerard Butler from 300. So you know Gerard Butler, right? He played Leonidas in 300. I'm going to play this video. Gerard Butler recorded a message for my team. Check this out. Hey, everybody. This is Leonidas. And you're all about to run the Spartan race for Mine Valley. And I just want to say best of luck. This is Sparta! Come on! <laughs> what a kick in the butt that was. I love that. I love that. So anyway, that's the Leonidas connection. If you guys haven't seen 300, go watch it out. That movie will inspire you to get buff. Now, I want to speak to you about your mindset. What inspired you to try to do something so outlandish as create your own race? Surely there's a story there. I grew up in a crazy neighborhood in Queens where when we're young children, we look around our environment and we aspire to be somebody. And my neighborhood was filled with gangsters and mobsters and these guys would go to jail. And so you're a young kid and you are creating a narrative in your head on whether or not you are tough enough. Can you handle that? Can you do the time? And then my mom finds yoga, meditation, health food, but to the extreme level where she's like meditating for 30 days straight, she's fasting, 
she brings me to see a 3,100 mile running race around a one mile loop in Queens. And so you've got these two influences that are very extreme in nature and really at their core require a toughness. And so I guess it just became part of my DNA that I wanted to always test myself and see what I was made of. And by the way, it felt really good when I did. I felt alive. Plus we did a lot of physical work, mixing cement, carrying bricks. You felt really alive. And so I go to Wall Street and I have a typical office career where you're gaining weight and going to dinners and making money, but not feeling the way I felt. And then I stumbled on adventure racing. I stumbled on this stuff. And being an entrepreneur at heart, I couldn't resist and I decided to start a business. Now, you ran 14 Ironman events in one year alone. What age were you? I was 36. That's nuts. Now, what was your health like before that? Were you always this fit? I was always a nutcase. I always was carrying around rocks around the neighborhood when I wasn't working. I was always nuts. I was never running, you know, 20 miles. That was not my thing as a kid. But, you know, when I was 13, I bicycled 140 miles on a BMX bike. (laughs) I don't know why. So I had a little screw loose in my head. So tell me about that first Spartan race. I'm curious because Spartan is now influencing so many people's lives. But that first race, how did you create that? What happened? How many people took part? First race, it didn't look like it was going to make money, but 700 people showed up. I was shocked. I mean, it was very archaic. We didn't know what we were doing. Was it 2006 that this happened? No, no, no. In 2001, I put on my first race. But in 2010 was the first race called Spartan. For 10 years, I messed around with different names, different formats. But in 2010, I launched the first Spartan race. I put a gladiator or a Spartan in the woods with a jousting stick. And I said, as runners run by, I want you to tackle them, (laughs) which I thought would be really unique because like you're running along the trail and you don't expect it and whack, you get tackled and knocked on the ground. And so I had things like that that obviously didn't have longevity in a format, but it was a crazy event, that first race. And that was 2010, right? 2010, yeah. My God, that's hilarious. How many people showed up for that? 700. 700. Now, when you first started out in, I think you said 2001, what were you thinking? What gave you the idea of injecting obstacles into a traditional race? Well, so 2001, the first race I put on was called Expedition BVI. It was in the British Virgin Islands, and it was going to combine climbing and sailboating and swimming and diving and biking. It was everything I could think of, and it was 350 miles long. So as you can imagine, there were not a lot of people that signed up. How many people did you get? We got 25 teams of four. We had 100 people. And the race cost a lot of money to put on because it spanned 350 miles and I had to have boats and helicopters. And not only did I lose a half a million dollars, I lost a person. A person got into a dinghy, a little rowboat, and no one noticed, but the rowboat drifted away in a storm. And it drifted 150 miles to a deserted island. And the Coast Guard found him eight days later, and he was alive. Wow. So the fact that I continue to put on races is a miracle. Okay, so we gotta go deeper on that. You lost half a million dollars. You almost lost a person for good. What made you bounce back and try this again and again and again? Because that 
would have rattled most people to the point where they just stay away from this type of challenge? I don't like to lose. And I saw the transformations taking place in the people that were doing the races. And I know how good I felt. And I wanted to just be around that energy and that lifestyle. And I just wouldn't quit. And so then I put on another race and that lost, then another race and that lost. And I did it for a decade and I just kept losing money. But how were you doing this? Did you have investors? Were you funding this yourself? I was funding myself. I was lucky. I was working on Wall Street at the time. The money I was making on Wall Street, I was lighting on fire with this business. And it made no economic sense. No one would have said continue. It was ridiculous. But I was having fun. And in 2010, after the financial crisis, I said, I'm going to invest $50,000 more in a new format. We're going to call it Spartan. It's going to be shorter distances. It'll be three miles, eight miles, 13 miles. 50,000 is all I'm investing because I'm going broke and I'm going to hire managers so I don't have to deal with it. And that 50,000 went out the window in about three days and it quickly went to a much bigger number to the point where there was a noose around my neck and I was really losing a lot of money. Now I was really on the hook because I had this thing where I announced races in advance because you had to. You had to say that 12 months from now, we're gonna have a race here. And every time I made a race announcement, that was like a five or $600,000 bill because I was committed to putting on that race. And I don't like to lose, and so I, we're going to Slovakia. Don't ask me why. We're going to London. We're going to Toronto. We're gonna go across the United States, Mexico. And I was really upside down. And my bookkeeper walked in the office one day and said, what the fuck are you doing? You worked your whole life. You're burning all your money. What is this thing? And that weekend I went skiing with my family and it really started to weigh on me that maybe I was a crazy person. And I got off the chairlift and I called my friends on Wall Street and I said, listen, I have this business. You're not going to understand, you know, the race business. I'm pretty much out of money. I need money by Monday. It was Saturday. I have no business plan. I have no valuation. I need a million dollars by Monday. And Monday they wired me a million dollars. And that bought me another couple of months of breathing room. And then I got money from a vendor that was looking to buy our business. They wanted to be our credit card processor. So they gave us a million dollars. So that bought us another 60 days of breathing room. And then when I was out of that 2 million and I was up against the wall again, I realized hang on a second, I can delay payments to vendors. I could just set a policy where I don't pay vendors for six months. That's our Spartan policy. And the vendors played along. I don't know. They got caught up in the excitement of what we were doing. And so that bought me enough time to finally get to a place where I was cash flow positive and could survive. And what year was that? That was probably mid-2011. That's a beautiful story. And now between 2010 and 2018, correct me if I'm wrong, but 5 million people have run a Spartan race. Yeah, yeah. our goal is to get 100 million people through the system. That's incredible. And I hope this interview and the podcast that's going to be derived from it will help at least inspire 100 to 1,000 new Spartans. Now, why Spartan? What made you bring the Spartan icon as the name of this race? You know, I think it's the same thing that inspired you and your team. The word, just the word, 
means so much, right? It's like simplicity, less is more, speak less, eat less, right? Stoicism, all these things bounce around in your brain when you hear that word, resiliency, grit. The funny thing is, we didn't name it Spartan to start, we named it Spartan Race. And I got a phone call around mid 2011, right when the cash flow was turning positive. And a gentleman said, hi, my name is Mike. I own all the intellectual property for the word Spartan, as well as Spartan.com, would you like it? And I almost fell on the floor. And he turned out to be a great guy. He was smart enough to realize that one plus one could equal five. And we ended up owning everything related to the word Spartan. Wow. And he just gave it to you. Pretty much. He works for us now. He has a little bit of equity in the company. And it was really game changing. You know, I've gotten to know Richard Branson over the years. And I joke with him and I say, you know, Virgin is a pretty cool name. But Spartan kicks its ass. <laughs> so much better. For sure, because it puts you in a different mindset. I'm wearing a Mind Alley t-shirt. It says made of strength. We designed these t-shirts because so many people in our team were inspired about getting fit, about running Spartan races. It changes the way you view life. So many of us buy into this bullshit rule that aging has to wear us down, that as life progresses, it starts going downhill right? And it's amazing when we start realizing that we can be fitter in our 50s as we were when we were 21. It changes the way you view life, especially now when many of us are going to have lifespans well into the 90s and 100s. Yeah, I'm going for 200. I like that. So those of you who like what Joe is talking about, I want to encourage you to check out his book, The Spartan Way. Subtitle is Eat Better, Train Better, Think Better, Be Better. And Joe goes into a variety of different philosophies of the Spartan way. Self-awareness, commitment, passion, discipline, prioritization, grit, courage, optimism, integrity, and wholeness. By the way, Joe, when you wrote this book, were you basing this on your philosophy or did you as a historian actually look at the ways of the ancient Spartans? Did that have anything to do with it? You know, I didn't look at the ancient Spartans. That book, those principles you just rattled off, they took me about four years to put together, even though they're so simple and they're age old and there's nothing special there. But I wanted to put them together in the order at which you have to master them if you're doing anything hard. If you're gonna get married, if you're gonna run 100 miles, if you're gonna build a business, you are presented with a need for those principles in that order. And so it just took me time to figure that out. Like if you're gonna run 100 miles, right, you really better know what your true north is. Here's a better example. Let's say your true north is to be the best family man that ever lived, but you are going to tackle Mount Everest. You are about 200 yards from reaching the summit and a storm rolls in. Your true north, we said, was you wanted to be this incredible family man. Do you turn around? You really need to know what your true north is when you're going to embark on something extremely challenging, your business. You want to be this incredible family man. You're two years into your business. You're up against the wall. You can't make payroll. You're working 24 hours a day. Like There's not alignment with your values and beliefs at that point with your reality. So anyway... I line them up exactly as they are presented to you in any great challenge. They're age old. I didn't invent them. They're really simple. 
And I attempt to teach you in the book how to master them, because if you master them, you will master life. So a couple of other questions, because I'm fascinated by this. You just said you will master life. Have you noticed any correlation between people who start taking part in Spartan races and how their life improves? For example, a measurable aspect of their life improvement, say growth in their career, promotion, salary increases. I get emails every single day, as I'm sure you do, that are littered with those statements. My marriage is better. I lost weight. I'm better with my children. I got promoted to my job. I quit my job. I started a business because of Spartan. I no longer do drugs. I gave up drinking. All day, every day, those emails are flowing in. And by the way, I can't really take credit for it. It's just all we're doing is having them meet themselves out on the course. Right. So thank you so much, Joe, for sharing your wisdom with us. This was a superb interview. Thank you so much. I'll see you in L.A. I'm Vishen Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body, your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.